You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know love is the fulfilling of the law, to practice it, and to honor you by so doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I assume that you're all familiar with Financial Peace University. Good. (laughs) Dave Ramsey offers 27 ways to pay off your debt. Saying, on the website, say bye to debt with our proven plan. And so then he encourages people to come to his greater Nashville, Tennessee studio so that they can tell their story over the air. And then at the end, really enthusiastically scream or whatever, (laughs) we're dad free. (laughs) I'm great. Well, it is important, it is good, if we can get to the point where we are debt free, without that debt hanging over our head and keep us from enjoying the freedom of being able to buy and to do things without the hindrance that a big debt would impose upon us. St. Paul writes to the Roman Christians that they should owe no one except for one thing. Now, one thing is also an ongoing debt that we owe to others. And it's never to be paid in full. And by the way, it's also that one thing that God gives to us. Continually. It is love. And that one thing is also an ongoing debt then that we owe to others never to be paid in full. St. Paul admonishes us. St. Paul says it this way, Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And if you go ahead and read the Living Bible and the way it puts things, it says it this way, Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. Never finish paying that. Paul then goes on to point out that all of God's commandments urge love. He cites four of them and then summarizes the rest of them with a quotation from Leviticus that says, love your neighbor as yourself. Every commandment requires love either for God or for our neighbor. And so St. Paul says, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now remember we're in this section of Romans, this letter that he writes to the Roman Christians, where he speaks about what the Christian's response to God should be because of what God has done for us. Earlier in his letter, Paul explained how a sinner obtains the righteousness from God. It's not by keeping any law, but it's by accepting, through faith, the perfect obedience Jesus has rendered to God for our sin. Christ's merit alone makes us acceptable unto God. And so a consideration for us in fulfilling this debt, he would say also, is a concern for our own spiritual welfare. 
so here again, Hennessy continues into the deeper, to go deeper into this idea. Do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For any Christian of any generation, the present time he talks about is the time to wake up from spiritual slumber. The window of opportunity to lead a life of love and service to God and to our neighbor gets smaller each day because we're that much closer to the end of our life and to meeting the Lord. The hymn writer, James Montgomery, a contemporary hymn writer, got it right when he said that the passing of each day brings us, as he says, a day's march nearer home. And in the last verse of one of the hymns that he wrote, he, said, he writes these words. So, when my latest breath shall rend the veil in twain, by death I shall escape from death and life eternal gain. Knowing as I am known, how shall I love that word and oft repeat before his throne forever with the Lord. Nearer home, nearer home, a day's march closer to home. Paul puts it this way. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So in the rapid passage of time, the message becomes clear. Seize the opportunity to live a life filled with God's love. Which brings up the question then, and all that Paul has written, how do we pay this debt of love? St. John puts it this way. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And Paul endorses that idea when he writes, love is the fulfilling of the law. To pay our debt of love to God is to obey God in all possible ways. Two examples. We will not steal because not we will not steal not because we're afraid of getting caught, but because we love God too much to wound his heart. The same can be said for all of the commandments. We will not kill because we really wound God's heart. We should not commit adultery because it would wound God's heart. We will not, for example, covet because such behavior is unworthy of a child of a loving father. But can we really love God and our neighbor that much? Didn't God point out through Isaiah that all of our sin, all of our deeds, are as filthy rags? Our being and our thoughts are just infiltrated with sin that taints everything we do. And didn't Jesus point out that even in our thoughts we go against God's standards since all of our actions start out as a thought 
But remembering that leads us to remember God's love is never ending. It isn't that Jesus' love through suffering and death was just a one-time experience someplace in history. His offered forgiveness that comes from that sacrifice is an ongoing action. The psalmist, for example, assures us this way. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with, is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. If we need another reminder, this one may be more familiar to you. You may have had to memorize this someplace along the way of life. His compassion never fails. One translation his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, as he speaks to God. We read that in Lamentations. It is through God's love that his love, Paul says, has been poured into our hearts, through Romans 5. God's love led him to declare us justified, as Paul uses that word, and turn our hearts around to respond to God. And in that sense, Paul declares, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Jesus said it this way, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yep, loving our neighbor is one of those places we often fall short, isn't it? It sounds noble to hear it, to read it, to read Paul's words to the Roman Christians, but doing it in the world, well, that's another matter. Because when we try, we read head on into ourselves, into our memories, what somebody else did to us. Especially when they rejected us, spoke well of us, said something ruined our reputation, all kinds of stuff. And so we run into bruised egos, hurt feelings, and loving one another is such a grand thing to preach about, but hard to do. And if you're like me, you've tried it and you've failed many times. For how often have we tried and then something happens? We get rebuffed. We can get manipulated. We can be misunderstood. And as a result, feel hurt confused, or hopeless. Love one another, we hear the words. But to do it, that's hard. But remember, God loves us so much that, as John writes, He gave us His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And John is the one who defines love in his first letter to his audience. In chapter 4, he writes this, rather lengthy. This is love. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He has given us this commandment. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. <clears throat> See, God saw our inability to fulfill his command. God saw our wounds caused by who knows what. God sees the hurt and the pain that we have from all of these things and still loved us. So much that he sent his son, who as it is described by who as described by Isaiah says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The scribes and the Pharisees would have condemned the world with all kinds of laws chiseled in stone. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the love from God that works faith. And that faith works in our hearts to give a new life to be practiced by us as a regenerate believer or a person who repents <laughs> of their sin and then goes about trying to show that repentance by the renewed actions in their lives. And this change to a new life is the result of a believer believing in Christ's righteousness through faith. This chapter of Romans urges righteousness in the form of a cheerful obedience of Christians to live together peaceably and harmoniously with each other. And not to love our neighbor is to focus only on serving ourselves. St. Paul admonishes us this way, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then warn, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This tendency to do whatever we want to do to satisfy our own desires, some people call meism. Other people might call it narcissism. In ancient Greek mythology, Narcissus was an incredibly handsome young man who was said one day to have seen his reflection as he looked into a pool of water. He was so enamored by the lovely image that he saw there that he stayed by the pool just looking upon his beauty and loving himself. All this myth of Narcissus is an extreme example, of course, of what self-centeredness is. But the idea is more prevalent, and that is to admire and please oneself 
and be worthless to anybody else. Or worthless in doing anything for anybody else. That's not what Jesus had in mind for us when he redeemed us. And neither is it in Jesus or Paul's mind when he tells them Christians should love themselves. Take care of our own spiritual welfare. And then be able to help others. It is to love each other as God loved us so that we are useful to him and to others. Martin Luther once said as he was pointing to his chest, if you were to ask me who lives here in this heart, I would say, Martin Luther used to live there. But now, Jesus Christ lives there. And so it is in that sense we understand there is a debt we can never pay off but continue all our life because Jesus gave us his life and keeps on giving his resulting forgiveness every day. So as Christians we take seriously what St. Paul writes for us today. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And so we pray to devote ourselves to Jesus, right along with Isaac Watts, who wrote these words for a hymn. We've sung it many times. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.